The Gospel of St. John, the 17th chapter, verses 1 through 11. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine. And I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our gospel proclamation comes from the Gospel of St. John, the 17th chapter that I just finished reading for you, and serves as the basis of our theme for the seventh Sunday after Easter. It is inevitable. Jesus cries aloud. Why is he crying so loud? Our Heavenly Father can hear even the most careless of whispers. God the Father even knows our innermost thoughts before we say them. Jesus would know this. After all, our Father was his Father first. This makes little sense until you consider the words of John 11. That helps us understand what indeed our Lord is doing. When Jesus came before the tomb where his dear friend Lazarus lay dead, he said this, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When Jesus cries aloud today, he is no more shouting so his father can hear than he is shouting to open ears that are hearing but never understanding or eyes that are seeing but never perceiving, as the prophet Isaiah says in chapter 6. When Jesus shouts today, it is not so his father can hear. It's so we can. God the Father gives eternal life.
This is eternal life. In case you weren't listening the first time. Knowing the only uncommon, unique, one-of-a-kind, singular, true God. The eternal Father is it, and there is no other. Jesus proves it by coming in the flesh from the Father, and Jesus completes it by doing what the Father sent him to do. Reveal and glorify the Father for the sake of our sins. Jesus was revealing this right after he showed them how they should do as he does by washing their feet in John 13. And his ultimately glory will come on that glorious day when he gives up his life as a ransom for our souls by means of that brutal crucifixion on the cross. This has not happened as yet in the reading of this gospel timeline, but Jesus speaks clearly as though in fact it has, as if it was inevitable. Jesus speaks prophetically in such a way that shows when our Lord says it, it is as good as done. Jesus cries out the truth of the ages. He is of the eternal Father, and he will, nay, he is glorified already, which glorifies his Father in heaven. Not only that, Jesus came to make his Father's name apparent. Have you ever been the herald of a cold, brutal truth at the expense of your experience? Oh, I love the ill-timed tales of self-deprecation where we went into a situation thinking circumstances were as such and then concluding the account with, apparently, that was not the case at all. Like when I was a young man baking cookies on my own one afternoon without the guidance of my mother. The recipe called for baking powder and all I could find was baking soda. Yes, I can see most of you know exactly where this is going. Well, I figured that was close enough and made up the batch. Well, apparently, they are not the same thing at all. And I discovered with my first bite and completely missed the taste of snickerdoodles replaced with the taste of sucking on a penny in my mouth. In my defense, I had not yet taken home economics in high school, where I learned in the baking practicum, those two ingredients are quite different in their effect on pastries. Jesus was God in the flesh, who made the Jews' misunderstanding of God apparent in their midst, and they apparently took it to heart. It's incredible to think that any of God's people would ever keep God's word as they so routinely did not. But if we remember from last week's gospel, it's not about obedience, obedience, obedience. It's really about treasuring it as a gift from God himself. They had Jesus in their midst and they did treasure him. They followed him everywhere he went. They hung on every word he said, and some cases were even willing to go 
hungry for him, like in Mark chapter 6. Even though their hearts may not have believed he was God, something surely burned inside them every day that made them treasure every last moment they had with him. When you see the perfect man, you can't help but treasure him and be drawn to him. That's what the creator created us to be, his creatures longing for their creator. If that were not enough, Jesus goes a step further. He longs for us as well. It was not enough for Jesus to be the perfect Greek Adonis to us. Adonis, in Greek mythology, was a boy of such beauty that Persephone, the goddess of the underworld, and Aphrodite, the goddess of love, fought over who could spend the most time with him. Jesus would not be a simple object of beauty to be adored without end. No, Jesus would surrender his dignity to dwell with us as an ordinary a human as can be on the surface. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. Adonis, he was not. And yet, he desired us sinners though we are. Whether hated tax collectors, despised Samaritans, outcast women, or stinky sheep herders and fishermen, he went to them all and gave his unconditional love to them, concerned little with what the world thought. His love was without end for the very ones who rejected the one true God. To begin with, he even entreated the Father on theirs and our behalf. Because sinners that we are, nobody but the devil himself would have us. He had to snatch us out of Satan's firm grip on our sinful souls. And Jesus loved us instead of enslaving us like Lucifer did. He did it all in the inevitable way only our one true God of the universe could. He did it as a testimony of his authority with his last statements to us in the flesh on the earth. He speaks again of what has not yet happened as though it has. And with Jesus, whatever he speaks comes into being and always will be. Like he speaks over the unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine, and it is his very body and his very blood. He says if we forgive sins, sins are forgiven, and if we retain sins, they are retained, and they are. He says baptism now saves you. And it is the washing and regeneration of your hearts and all your filthy sins are washed away. If Jesus says it, whether we understand it or not, it is so. His love, his grace, his forgiveness, it is all inevitable. Let us pray.
O comforter of priceless worth, send peace and unity on earth. Support us in our final strife and lead us out of death to life. Amen. Now may that peace that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus always. Amen.